0: think with them and take our heart with love and gratitude. Amen. Please sit down. Well, that hymn, which obviously many of you knew, perhaps was new to some, that is quite an old hymn. It's one of a large collection of hymns and songs that comes from the latter part of the 19th century, from the what we call the Sankey movement, Moody movement. Uh, Dr Dwight Moody uh, was a great preacher, uh, and Iris Sankey was a very fine singer. Uh, they were Americans, and in the latter years of the 19th century, uh, many people, uh, they were responsible for many people responding to the Christian gospel as Moody preached uh, very powerfully, many rallies in different places. There was a huge revival movement in the uh, states of America and Sankey and Moody both visited England on at least a couple of occasions and had a very uh, warm response here. Moody's preaching struck very deeply, uh, and uh, it was responsible for many people's lives being changed from drunkenness and lacking purpose to finding direction and finding joy and self-worth because they discovered God loved them. And Sankey's singing uh, was as powerful, really, as Moody's preaching. And Moody realized that sometimes music could move people in a way that the spoken word can't. Uh, And in all the years of my ministry, I think I've only used this hymn ever once. And that wasn't on occasion 20 or 30 years ago uh, when I was uh, living in a small town in the West Midlands. Uh, I was minister of a church in a town centre where we made real efforts to try and uh, link in with the various organisations of the town. And one of them was an adult training centre, as it was known. And they were responsible for training, providing purposeful activity for people between the ages of uh, 18 and 65, who were suffering from severe learning difficulties. People who were not able to really <clears throat> go into proper formal education or even consider work. But some sort of activity to give them something to do, to make them feel uh, wanted and worthwhile and to get some uh, joy out of life. And we used to send some, one or two people down from the church to this centre to visit. And then about three times a year, Christmas and Easter and Harvest, we would invite these trainees. Uh, About 40 or 50 of them would come up with members of staff to the church, and we would lay on a very simple service and offer refreshments. Uh, It was a way of engaging with them. I remember when they used to come for Harvest... Well, when they came for any service, it was actually quite challenging to organise a service in which they could take part, because their concentration span was very short, they couldn't read, uh, and most of them, many of them couldn't understand what you, you said if you were, gave a short talk even. So we had to find ways of engaging that were fairly simple and straightforward. And on the occasion of one harvest, I asked one of our choir members if she would sing this during the service when these adult training people came Uh, for a service. And she sung a very spirited rendition of this song, and the organist uh, uh, accompanied her in a very spirited fashion, and it connected. And within a couple of minutes, they were smiling, and they were clapping, and they were standing up. They were engaged in a way that they wouldn't have been engaged with anything that I said, and certainly anything that I might have asked them to read or respond to. And I think I then understood how some of that great collection of songs that was so important to that revival movement in America uh, over a hundred years ago, somehow the music of that movement touched people in a very deep way. The theme of that song that we've just sung, of course, is uh, about harvest, but it's about harvest on two levels. It is, of course, about the harvest of the fields It is also about the harvest of God's kingdom. And I think it's appropriate to consider both those things as we come to this time of harvest festival. So that's what I want to do just for a few minutes this morning. First of all, the song does invite us to consider the the fruit of the fields. Uh, It gets right to the heart heart of harvest festival with its theme of joy. We will come rejoicing, uh, bringing in the sheaves. If you've lived in an agricultural community, whether in this country or somewhere else in the world, you will know how much the life of a village centres around the life of the fields, the work of the fields. There's nothing particularly glamorous or romantic about agricultural work. It involves a lot of hard work. And certainly in the days before uh, farming was mechanised to the extent that it is now, Uh, much of the sowing and the tending, as well as the harvesting, was sheer slog. My personal uh, experience was limited to a very short brush with the agricultural world when I was a student in the dim and distant days. Um, And I worked for a couple of summers on a nursery garden nearby in the village where I lived, and, uh, and a winter holiday as well. And I quickly discovered that there's nothing romantic or glamorous about spending eight hours under a hot sun, bent double, picking potatoes, or spud bashing, as it's known. Nor in the middle of January, when it's a frosty morning, picking Brussels sprouts, because by half past nine, you're not sure whether you've got any fingers at the end of your hands or not. It is hard work, sheer physical hard work. And for the farmer... As well, there's not just the work, but there's the worry. Will the rain come at the right time? Will the sun uh, shine strongly enough and uh, in a sustained way enough to ripen the grain? Will the destructive winds hold off and uh, won't come at the wrong time and batter the, the, the corn just before harvest? And even if the farmer has done well this year, well, it might not be so good next year. That's why they say you never meet a wealthy farmer. Or at least a farmer who admits to being wealthy. And so um, in the light of the hard work and the worry and the anxiety of sowing and the growing period, harvest comes as a time of real rejoicing and relief. A big sigh of relief. Our work wasn't in vain and God has been faithful. And once again, he's come up with the goods. He sends the snow in winter. We sing, don't we? The warmth to swell the grain, the breezes and the sunshine, and soft, refreshing rain. And if you've lived in an agricultural community or just happened to visit a village at the time of harvest, you will know that it's a time of communal rejoicing. The whole community shares in a great sense of relief that all is well, uh, a sense of achievement. It's sharing our success together, but also thanking God. And it's not just something that captures the mind and the feelings and the energies of an agricultural, a rural community. It is something that also seeps into our cities as well. Back in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, even here in the city of London, Uh, the harvest meant something to people. Because um, vast numbers of Londoners would travel down on specially chartered trains to the hop fields in the county of Kent in order to spend their week's holiday uh, picking the hops. And that was very much because many of them couldn't afford to go anywhere else on holiday. It was a bit of a paid holiday. And at the end of the day, having worked hard, they were able to relax, they were able to tell stories, and they were able to enjoy the fruit of the hops as well as they drank their beer and had a good meal in the evening. It was a family holiday. It was a pattern of life. So much so that the school term, the school holiday times in parts of London were altered. And school started later in the autumn here than in many other places. Something of that joy... um, is expressed in the psalm that Keener led us in earlier on in our service. And in fact, to the extent that the psalmist almost talks about the the world of nature being personified. He talks about the hills being clothed with gladness and the valleys shouting for joy. And so the harvest of the earth, whether it's wheat or crops or rice or hops, whether it's the harvest of the sea, uh, is a time of joy. And it's a time of thanksgiving. It's a time to be thankful to God for what he's given, the sun, the rain, and the ability for us to work, and the miracle of growth, and thankfulness to God for enabling us to bring in the harvest. It marks the end of a great cooperative venture between God and ourselves. And we remember this, of course, not only um, at harvest time in our church, although this is once a year when we make a special celebration, but we do remember it at other times. At the heart of our worship so often is our communion service, the Eucharist, sacrament of the Lord's Supper. One of the great prayers that we sometimes say in that service is, blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have bread to set before you, which earth has given and human hands have made. And it will become for us the bread of life. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to set before you, which human hands have created. It will become for us the cup of salvation. Well, I said this song that we just sung, Bringing in the Sheaves, deals with the harvest on two levels. It does deal with the harvest on the level uh, of the harvest of the earth, the crops, the things that we're celebrating today. But the other level that this song, of course, um, invites us to rejoice in is what we might call the spiritual harvest or the harvest of God's kingdom. And When we talk about God's kingdom, we're talking about how to bring the rule of God, the reign of God, into every part of our life. When we talk about being part of the kingdom of God, we're saying that we have accepted God's rule for our lives and God's rule for our world. And we actually sow seeds for God's kingdom in all sorts of ways. And some of the things we've been doing this morning in our service have reminded us or have pointed us to those ways in which we sow seeds for the kingdom of God. Towards the beginning of our service this morning, we had the joy of seeing Alfred uh, baptised. And at the heart of every baptismal service is the way in which we declare God's love and God's grace for a child even before they are aware of it. But of course, it's also the occasion when we make promises. Mum and dad make promises. Godparents make promises. And the church offer support as well. The uh, promises to make a Christian example of our own lives, the promise to provide a Christian home for the child, a promise here in the church to provide a place where we can be nurtured in faith and in understanding of God's love. But bringing children up is a bit challenging, isn't it? Wouldn't it be good if every child arrived with a handbook, especially if there happened to be a troubleshooting page, as they call it these days, but they don't. We have to find our own way through these things, and the bringing up of children is a long process, uh, and it's one which is, uh, brings as much, sometimes, anxiety and disappointment, frustration, challenge, uh, as does the work of tending the fields and bringing in the harvest there. But bringing up a child in a children, uh, bringing up a child or children in a Christian context is a way of sowing God's the seeds of God's kingdom so that a child may be able to discover for themselves what it's like to, give, to live under God's rule and to live within God's love. And sowing the seeds of God's love and truth is this very challenging but joyful, demanding but responsible uh, th- work to do. And that's one area where we're called to Work for God's kingdom. And then the gifts that are set out on these tables here today that you brought up during the service this morning, uh, as Tony mentioned at the beginning of our service, these gifts will be going to the passage. The organization just along the road <clears throat> linked to the Catholic Cathedral um, charity set up some years ago now uh, in order to work alongside the homeless. And its aim is to bring transformation for those people whose lives have been broken by a variety of circumstances. Sometimes it's the breakdown of relationships, maybe uh, the breakup of a marriage, uh, the disappearance of children, redundancies. Uh, sometimes people coming out of the forces and back into civilian life find it almost impossible to uh, be able to adjust. A whole variety of reasons as to why people fall by the wayside and become homeless. And working alongside and with homeless people is a very challenging and demanding uh, work. It is just like sowing the seeds of tending the land because it brings sometimes disappointment and frustration when people don't respond as we hope they might. And helping somebody whose life, life has been deeply broken and who's fallen by the wayside and got out of the normal stream of life uh, can be, it's not a simple process, it can be a long, a protracted and a very challenging process. And it's a privilege for us this morning to be able to bring some harvest gifts to work with those, to help those who are working with some of the bro- most broken members of our community. Another way in which we can sow the seeds of God's kingdom. And then in our notices this morning, Tony was referring to a series of meetings we're having in the autumn, three of them, uh, which I'm responsible for organising. We call them God at work in the world. There are occasions when we focus on some aspects of our working, our daily working life from Monday to Friday or whenever it is we happen to work. Uh, Because for many people, that 35, 40, 45 hours a week really takes the bulk of our working, waking life. It's where we rub shoulders with other people. It's where we create something of value. Where we make a contribution to the way that society works. It's where we have some of our closest relationships with other people apart from the family. And it's where our claim to be Christian can sometimes be most severely tested as we're seen to be either the genuine article or a sham. But our daily work can often be very challenging. Just like sowing the seeds and tending of the land, we can know success, but we can also know failure. One minute we can be full of hope because something succeeded. The next minute we can be quite depressed and full of despair. The purpose of those discussion evenings is in order to try and help us to help each other live the Christian way in that bulk of our waking life that we call our work, whether it's what we get paid for or whether it's what we do in a voluntary capacity. And if we're serious about wanting God's kingdom to come here on this earth, then it has to come in every aspect of life, not just in our religious moments, Not just on the Sunday morning when we're here in church. It's got to come in every aspect of our life. It's got to come in every aspect of society. And then of course, right at the very heart of our worship is what we've done so much of this morning. Our praise and our prayer. The praises that we sing and the prayers that we offer. Which are all about our response to what we believe God has done for us and given to us. His goodness and his love. And When we've discovered God's love and God's goodness for ourselves, then we have a heart to want to share that discovery with other people. We don't come to church on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening simply in order to be in a holy huddle and to enjoy each other's company, although we do enjoy each other's company. Uh, That's not what we come for. We come in order that it might be the, the jumping off Uh, ground and the base in order that we can then go and share with other people that experience that God's love has dealt with us so generously and God's grace and call has given us a real sense of purpose and direction in life and we want to share that with others. That's all about sowing the seeds of God's kingdom but sharing the news of God's kingdom The good news of God's love can be challenging and demanding, just as it's challenging and demanding out in the fields, preparing the land, sowing the seed, and tending the land before we get to harvest. Because sometimes people don't want to know about God's love. Sometimes people don't want to know what we have to share. Sometimes people simply don't or can't bring themselves to believe. Sometimes people are just suspicious. But when Jesus told that great story about the uh, the farmer who went out to sow, the parable of the sower that Elizabeth read to us this morning, he wasn't just speaking about a farmer on a land. He was, of course, speaking about sowing the seeds of God's kingdom. And he acknowledged the disappointments, the frustrations, the fact that some things would go wrong. But the punchline of the story. The punchline of the story after so much. Anxiety, disappointment, setbacks, frustrations to the sowing and the tending process, the punchline is that there is a harvest. And just as we have come to celebrate this morning that there is a harvest of the land and the sea represented in some of the gifts that we brought of various types, so too there is the harvest so many times, the harvest of the kingdom, when in these other aspects of life that I've mentioned, God blesses, lives are changed, and we sense that his kingdom has come. And so we say a heartfelt thanks be to God. Amen. And we affirm those thoughts as we sing a hymn to bring our service towards its close. We stand to sing for the fruits of his creation, thanks be to God.